The views, information or opinions expressed in the following podcast are solely the views of the individuals involved and do not represent the views of any third party. Any information provided is of a general nature only and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. In particular, you should seek financial advice prior to making a decision. Morning, Joseph. It's great to spend some time with you. Uh, it's been a week since we last put up. And if I can, I'd like to revisit uh, what's happened over the past week. In particular, has there any, been anything that's caught your attention? Well, I think over the, the past week, the most worrying thing, if I can start off on that tone, is the deteriorating relationships with China. Um, well publicized, the, uh, the criticism that's been made of China principally from the United States, but but of course, Australia has now got involved in in uh, suggesting that it's time for an inquiry into the root causes of the, the, the COVID virus, but irked the Chinese and, and it's moved from being a debate on understanding the background to the virus, which is premature, frankly, for such a discussion to take place, uh, but it's become a debate about trade relations. And the worry about that is that China is such an important trading partner to Australia. Uh, for us to start getting into an argument with them that could spill over into impacting trade flows, it doesn't seem to me to be in Australia's best interests. And um, and so that's that's been a significant development that uh, over the course of the last week, and hopefully one that will get get be addressed quite soon and not deteriorate from what is quite a concerning position today. Yeah, well, you took one of my questions there. I think it's uh, yeah, it is really concerning development. So hopefully, it can you know, find uh, a solution very quickly. On on a, um, on a on a positive note, Chris, the clearly the trajectory on the the virus here in Australia and as well as in New Zealand, of course, has been really very encouraging, and some of the signals or statements from the Prime Minister about the potential for further loosening well ahead of what we might have expected a week or two ago is encouraging. So assuming that the the current trajectory on vi- the number of viruses, the growth in viruses, then we might start to see a loosening up within a couple of weeks. And, and that journey back to something that resembles normality uh, will have begun much earlier than we would have thought two or three weeks ago. Agreed. Do you see uh, that starting domestically and then including New Zealand in the short term? I, I do. I do see it. I think you know the ch- the challenge is to get an alignment between the various states in Austra- in Australia. But we're getting strong signals from Canberra. The, there's a, a, a difference of perspective between what you hear from the politicians in Victoria versus. New South Wales versus Queensland and, of course, WA in particular. Uh, the, the whole getting back to school seems to be quite a pivotal thing because obviously so many households and the capacity or ability for people to return to work uh, c- can be constrained by the need to look after kids at home. So I think the, the unlocking, if you will, of the school, the return to school would be a big step in the right direction. Um, but I, I do see a noticeable change 
walking down the streets in Melbourne and, and I was in Sydney at uh, the end of last week, the, a lot more people are, are out and about, uh, a lot more traffic. I mean, I, I make the same trip to walk from home to work at the same time every day, um, every morning. And, and this week, I would say that the number of the amount of traffic on the on the roads would be four or five times greater than it was two weeks ago. So there's a there's not a lot of points around this system that say that that journey back to something that resembles normality has begun. Shifting gears for a moment, there's obviously significant volume of support measures being implemented by governments globally, uh, subsequently increasing government debt levels. Do you worry about the scale of current global debt? And what do you think this means for Australia and global economies over the coming period? It's a huge issue. I mean, there's just no getting away from it. The the scale of borrowings or stimulus into the economies in most of the developed worlds has been uh, staggering. Uh, in in New Zealand, sorry, in Australia, the the stimulus, which was about 10, 11 percent of GDP, uh, was was a huge amount amount of uh, stimulus. But but fortunately, the balance sheet, the fiscal balance sheet in Australia. Uh, is much stronger than you see in many other developed worlds. So we, there was capacity to do that. Uh, that varies by states. When the borrowings in in level of borrowings or debt that's been incurred in Victoria, for example, is much higher than what we see in New South Wales. So I think, but globally, the explosion in in debt as a result of stimulus is going to be a huge problem for governments to deal with over the course of the next and decades. Uh, There's a lot of criticism of the way in which that's been done, but there's also a lot of compliments about the need to have done something and the governments have stepped up um, and provided the stimulus. But the the debt overhang is going to reshape the nature of government, of nature of taxation, the fragility of the global economy for quite a long time. Agreed. I guess taking that a step further, official inflation numbers were released yesterday, showing a slight increase for the past quarter. On the back of recent bushfires in Australia, the the COVID um, pandemic, and then the subsequent increase in unemployment, is this a surprise result, do you think? Yeah, I mean, of course, it is a lagged figure because these figures, any figures that we've looked at over the last few weeks will not reflect what has been has happened over the last month or so. So, you know, with the amount of stimulus, the amount of liquidity that's been pumped into the system, theory would say that this will pro- engender inflationary pressures down the track. It's very hard to see those inflationary pressures over the next 12 months, however, just because of the subdued nature of a lot of economic activity. But with all, all types of quantitative easing, um, it tends to drive asset price inflation and we in the stock markets, for example. Uh, and ultimately, that just creates a larger degree of risk in the system. Inflation has not been a feature of economies over the last five, six years. But uh, there is a concern looking at it 2022-23 that the amount of quantitative easing that's occurred will result in increased inflationary pressures. Time will tell, but I don't see inflationary pressures on the horizon for the next 12 months. Um, I do think that over the course of the next 
number of years, we're going to see a significant restructuring in a lot of economies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mentioned in the past that the bias that a lot of businesses have had towards offshoring or outsourcing, importing critical uh, value chain requirements from foreign markets, I think there'll be a, a, a move in many industries to bring those supply chains back uh, onshore. A good example would be medical supply chain. I mean, one of the big issues that, that many uh, economies have had to deal with is getting access to essential medical equipment in the face of the crisis that we've got uh, dealing with. And I think that the society will expect that the provision of critical services, such as medical uh, linked services and products, uh, are protected domestically and not subject to supply chain problems in terms of importing those essential needs. It's a great point. I think for me, probably two further uh, items I'd like you to talk there because I think from an Australian perspective, uh, have we lost the ability to manufacture? We've That's been offshore for so long. And secondly, it's been driven offshore because of the cost of manufacturing locally. So do you think that that will create higher prices in those manufactured goods locally? Well, I think that's that's part of the trade-off. And, and this mm. can going back to the inflation, discussion on inflation, and why I emphasise the, the number of structural changes in the way that certain industries operate. Uh, I think people will say, well, they, the trade-off is low-cost offshore manufacturing versus higher-cost onshore manufacturing versus certainty of supply when needed. And, and so the formula changes from being what's the lowest cost way of um, accessing products and services to one of um, security of supply to, with which comes a price, but a price that that people will be willing uh, uh, to accept. And we've seen that in the US over the past probably two, three years that they've been absolutely attempting to bring that uh, manufacturing back on shore. Well, I, I, yeah, and, and, and I think, you know, because we're obviously in, in Australia that we're moving into a stage in the cycle where unemployment is going to shoot up. I mean, some economists have said that it'll be in the region of 12 to 14 percent at, at its peak and then come back to, say, 9 or 10 percent. But that, those measures, that measure of unemployment doesn't reflect the, uh, the underemployment, if you will, of people that are not and fully employed in the economy, not registered as unemployed, but 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 not fully employed, and of course the the job seeker, job keeper payments will also disguise for a while quite a lot of hidden unemployment. So I, I think this is going to be a significant change. I mean, we we've we've enjoyed unemployment levels over the course of the last five years that have been bubbling around five to five and a half percent. That's going to double. And that's going to create big pressures on on society and on the economy. One of the ways to to deal with that, to borrow from the playbook that that Donald Trump has used, is to insist that a lot more activities come back on shore, even at a higher price, but creating uh, dealing with the uh, much higher level of unemployment than anybody here would be comfortable with. So I think that's going to be part of the pressure in in, um, helping dealing with this unemployment problem. 
uh, and it'll, it'll be a factor that will influence the shape of many businesses and industries going forward. So just touching on that job seeker, job keeper, <laughs> made the same mistake, job keeper program that the government's put in place. And with the benefit of a few weeks of hindsight, do you think the Australian government's response measures were appropriate and are they having a positive impact? Uh, I think they were appropriate. I mean, I know, as you would know, that in a year's time, with 2020 hindsight, there'll be lots of criticism levelled at expenditure that may prove to have been unproductive or wasted. Um, But in the face of a crisis, action is important. You don't have the time to do proper analysis and to vet uh, and segment and channel. You've got to react. And and the symbolism of, of reacting quickly it was really quite important. So no criticism from me uh, as to what the government did. Um, and the, the and the question then is, of course, the question is, and how do you kind of unwind yourself from these payments? And what will be left once those payments, and what will be the impact once those payments are brought back? But the, you, you can't, I think it's very unfair to criticise the government for what it did. It had to do something. It was reminiscent of the helicopter money splash that uh, the Rudd government did back in 2008. A lot of that was wasted money. You know, people uh, spent it on the pokey machines and not on uh, what it was probably intended for. This is different. And I think the response was exactly the right response. It, it stabilised what could have been a major crisis, crisis of confidence, crisis of poverty, uh, could have led to social disruption when you have such a dislocation, sharp dislocation that people were simply not prepared for. And also remember that we we do we do live in an economy that has very high levels of household debt. Uh, even though interest rates are at a, an all-time low, people still have a lot of debt that they have to service, um, rents to pay, mortgages to pay. And so the government provided... Um, a lifeline that otherwise the implications of which would have been would have been unmanageable. It's well articulated, Joseph. Thank you. Uh, I know you're very busy, so I would just like to pass to you. See, is there any final comments or thoughts that you had before um, we let you get back to your job? Well, simply to say that th- this is a fast-moving environment that we're in. I mean, I, as I mentioned earlier, if we if we dialed back two weeks ago, we would have had a, perhaps a more gloomy view of the outlook. Uh, over the course of the last week, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel is getting clearer, and it's a, a bigger light than we might have reasonably expected it to be. There are more positive signs now than, than there were a week or so ago. And so if that continues, then we, we might find ourselves on that journey back to something that resembles normal life much, much faster than we would have uh, dreamt of a couple of weeks ago. And uh, of course, then the economic costs and implication of this huge shock might be a lot less than many people have feared. So I'd, I'd like to just end on a positive note that I think certainly in my mind, well, I'm nice turning my mind to how we're operating in a normal environment rather than how are we going to continue to operate in quite an abnormal environment. So that's positive. And hopefully, you know, when we speak again next week, uh, that that journey, that trajectory of positive uh, news will continue. 
Thanks for spending some time with me today, Joseph. As always, your thoughts are incredibly relevant and insightful. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. The company is the owner or licensee of all intellectual property rights in this podcast, including but not limited to the copyright and any rights in the designs. You are permitted to use the podcast for personal use, but not for commercial use without a license from us. You may not make any recordings of or otherwise copy the podcast.